The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us. And as usual, we've got another great program for you. I know you're going to enjoy it and be inspired and learn a lot, uh, get some new perspectives on spirituality and recovery. Thank you for emailing me and letting me know how things are going for you in your recovery and your spirituality walk. And thank you for liking us on Facebook. Spirit of Recovery has a Facebook page, and it's great to get your likes. And so we are back on now. And uh, again, I'm saying thank you so much for posting on our uh, Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. And uh, also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other spiritual communities know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio. You know that you can listen to us in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen live through your computer. You can also listen through your smartphone, and you can listen to archives. We've got lots and lots of great programs that you can listen to on demand at unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery. And also, you can make a difference with your uh, donations to Unity Online Radio. You can help share spiritual inspiration with listeners around the world. If you would like to, you can text Unity Radio to 72727 to give today, and you can make a one-time gift, or you can set it up as a recurring monthly gift, and all the transactions are secure, and your financial support of Unity Online Radio is greatly, greatly appreciated. Again, thank you for listening to us here on Spirit of Recovery. I want you to know that this is a welcoming place and so that if you are a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone in recovery or someone, uh, whether or not you or they are in uh, recovery, that you're welcome here. Uh, maybe you're just uh, curious about the process of recovery. Maybe you're looking for information. Um, we're Glad you're listening. Glad you're here. You're welcome to participate with a comment or a question um, on uh, Spirit of Recovery for our guest. And uh, again, everybody's welcome here. 
Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And over 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And my life is an integration of um, the unity principles of spirituality and the recovery principles. And that walk uh, keeps richly transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper ways. So I am very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, our topic is the crucible of change. Uh, change calls us to enter the crucible, and uh, that means that as we face what's most painful and allows us to find our true strength. And the good news is that we don't go alone because we have the power of our spirituality, our relationship with our higher power, the love and strength of our higher power as our guide and companion. Today, my guest is Dr. Ken McGill. Uh, Dr. McGill has uh, certainly got lots to say uh, with us today to share with us about this idea of walking into the crucible. He is a minister. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and um, he has been. He's also an author, and he uh, has been involved with counseling for over 25 years. And he uh, has a lot to share about how deep transformation happens when we are courageous enough to face the psychological facts of our lives um, in the loving presence and with the loving presence of our higher power. Dr. McGill has uh, just been involved in the recovery community as a, as a professional and in the uh, pro- counseling profession for over 25 years. He received his doctorate in clinical psychology with an emphasis in family psychology from Azusa Pacific University in 2003. His dissertation focused on the development of an integrated treatment program for the sexually addicted homeless population. And he was personally mentored in that uh, by Dr. Patrick Carnes, who is a pioneer and uh, a premier researcher and practitioner uh, in the field of sex addiction uh, recovery and work. Uh, Ken has also had a private practice um, in California and um, in Mississippi where he worked um, in inpatient and outpatient recovery programs there at the General Path Treatment Center. He has directed uh, outpatient men's programs and been involved also with supporting uh, the uh, athletes in healthy lifestyle and healthy behavior in uh, several different college programs. So, And he also is a person that just has a wealth of his own personal experience in addition to professional experience. So, uh, Dr. McGill, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. It's good to be here today. So glad, so glad that you're here and looking forward to all that you have to share with us. I know that you believe uh, that spirituality and psychology should be um, integrated that you have a, that they have a lot to uh, lend to each other. How did you first come to this idea that spirituality and psychology could go together? You know, I uh, as you mentioned, I've, I've had a lot of experience uh, in working in Los Angeles, and you mentioned my dissertation uh, titled um, uh, "In Working with Homeless People." Uh, I had the great privilege of working. Um, with uh, two large rescue missions on the West Coast in Los Angeles, and they were social model in uh, format. 
So they embraced uh, theology as well as uh, psychology and certainly the 12 steps as a, uh, as a way of presenting that before uh, men and women who are homeless, um, as a way of addressing principles in their life. And uh, the steps work uh, um, as uh, well as having the other salient ingredients of theology as well as um, psychology. Uh, so I had great um, teachers and mentors that helped me to see the value of all three. And it just so happened that at Azusa Pacific University, um, that was the model that was uh, presented. Uh, it was an integrative model. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes sure that, you know, or encourages us to make sure that you look at all the aspects of a person, that they're spiritual people, cognitive, um, emotional, spirit, uh, sexual, social, relational, and uh, they, they desire to impact their environment for good. And so the steps, uh, as well as, of course, I'll say this and, and uh, be quiet, um, the steps uh, being inspired by uh, uh, the Oxford group, uh, Doc, uh, Frank Buckman and Dr. Sam Shoemaker, um, and, and the absolutes that were talked about uh, out of the Oxford group, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love, in addition to, um, you know, the uh, five C's, I think, of uh, confidence, confession, conviction, conversion, and then continuance. Those were, uh, are all salient ingredients that spoke to me and as uh, a person in recovery, uh, as we uh, are encouraged to look at those concepts and integrate them in our lives, then probably some good things will happen as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Right. There is a, a wonderful precedent, as you're saying, for bringing together the psychological and the spiritual. And, and it, it just seems like there's no better uh, place where they come together beside but the 12 steps or i mean they come together in other places but it seems like the 12 steps does a wonderful job of of uh bringing those two together in, in a wonderful way and bringing them into the you know our era uh for sure and and really being uh productive for people there what do you Beautifully think simply. absolutely yeah and as you you said just a second ago there it works Okay, I've got a question for you. Why do you think yes, it works? Why do the 12 steps work? Well, it, it, it uh, and I just mentioned that they, they work because they're simple and uh, they're very practical. They're very affirming um, uh, to the person as well as perhaps as a person learns how to integrate and works the steps then to be a better person in terms of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, with other people. So uh, they, they do so in a very, very simple but a very powerful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is one of the greatest challenges for people that are already in recovery um, and they still, of course, want to keep growing and, and developing themselves both psychologically and spiritually? What's the greatest challenge or, one, or, one, or, or a challenge, an important challenge or challenges for people in recovery? You know, I think that really step 10 kind of sums it up quite a bit. You know, the continuing to take a personal inventory and when wrong, promptly admitting it. Um, uh, one of the things that as a therapist, uh, as a counselor, as I sit with uh, men, women, and, and groups, and I'll be doing a group this evening, is the concept of emotional self-awareness. So mm-hmm. the notion of taking a real good look and examining what's going on uh, inside of me, in my head, in my heart, and being able to articulate that 
in a, um, in a, in a healthy way, in a clean way, um, to uh, another person, you know, whether it be my spouse, uh, my children, um, kind of having a finger on the pulse and making sure that I don't blow up at them, um, you know, because I have something that I want to say. It's just that sometimes I just don't know necessarily how to say it. But if I am emotionally self-aware with what's going on inside of my uh, heart and, uh, and if I pause and use um, some tools of recovery and then open my mouth and share that, then more than likely the message will be caught than um, the other person probably reacting to, you know, the fact that I just spilled, you know, my message onto them and burned them. So if I can kind of, if a person can kind of continue to do, take an inventory and, um, the spot check inventory, you know, uh, then I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that I, but I think that if the kind of master that skill, if you will, um, and make it a daily skill as it's, as we're encouraged to do so, then, um, then I think relationships, uh, and communication will uh, be a lot healthier. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that you just have a, a new book out called Cultivating Love Renewal, and it is available on Amazon, on Kindle. And this is the first of five books that you are uh, writing on the Cultivating Love series. And I know that in, in your book, you do have a lot of those practical skills. You've got, you talk about communication skills. You talk about attitudinal skills um, specifically for couples, but I'm sure they're, you know, you could generalize those skills to any relationship. Tell us um, some about about your ideas about in more detail about cultivating love and about communication and how people can do that. Well, um, again, the the uh, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of my uh, history has been my treatment history, if you will, has been with Dr. Patrick Carnes, and so of all of the um, addictions, you know, it's, it's primarily. Um, sex and relationship addictions that, you know, I know the, the most. And uh, so most of the materials are written to that effect. However, as you mentioned, that they generalize over into other addictive behaviors as well. Sometimes we think about them coming in threes, and sex is probably the last one that we talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the books and the material um, are focused on helping people to understand what happens when they discover infidelity or unfaithfulness. You know, it is such a traumatic wound, you know, that hurts deeply in a person's life. And subsequently, sometimes uh, once a person recovers from the shock of even discovering, then, you know, they may not necessarily know what questions to ask or what direction to go in. Um, They may be puzzled and confused uh, about the nature of the relationship. Do I want to go continue? Do I, uh, what are my needs? Um, you know, I really am angry with the, either the person, the quote-unquote offender, if you will, for the actions that um, he or she committed, um, but yet they still may be deeply in love with that person and didn't ask for this uh, accident or this experience, um, but nevertheless are, are, are in a need to kind of take a real good look at what's my next healthy step. So the book basically integrates, uh, again, psychology, addictions, um, you know, theology to help a person to, you know, in a step-by-step basis, um, take a good look at, you know, uh, what has taken place, why and possibly how it may have occurred, and certainly the help that you might need to uh, access and subsequently kind of encouraging a person to take the next right steps in order to um, uh, 
in order to uh, try to regain balance, much less, you know, walk in the healthy direction in terms of what they need to do personally. And then once they kind of regain some personal balance, then um, consider what they may wish to do with the relationship. Um, the bottom line, though, is that if a person decides that they would like to stay and remain in a relationship, then the book kind of, uh, again, integrates a lot of the uh, disciplines, the theology, psychology, as well as addictions in terms of here's how you might, or here's something that you may wish to consider if you'd like to rebuild your relationship. Right. It's really, um, uh, really helpful and really well thought out. Tell us a little bit about some of the, the theological aspects that you uh, have talked about in your book and that you use in your counseling practice in terms of building relationships. Well, I think that one of the things that uh, I've noticed that couples need right off the bat is uh, safety. Um, there, you know, it's it's almost as a discovering infidelity is almost like, you know, being in a 9-11 uh, in New York City type experience. Um, and sometimes it just seems like it's an image that you can't, and then an experience you can't turn off. And so helping a person who's been... Uh, uh, in some respect, post-traumatic, experiencing post-traumatic stress um, to uh, settle down, calm their mind, calm their heart down is uh, you need to have safety. So one of the things that um, that I uh, introduce to a couple and the coupleship is the concept of uh, of healing and for being a healthy and safe people. And a healthy and safe person does that by uh, as I, if I'm allowed to uh, share a scripture out of the sure. uh, New Testament, it's uh, Matthew 10, 1, and then verse 8, where mm-hmm. Jesus is talking to uh, the disciples, the 70 disciples, and he encourages them to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and give sight to the blind. Well, uh, you know, respectfully, I, I don't know if I'm going to raise any dead or, you know, <laughs> give sight to blind, but I can help to, a person to heal. And the word that is used there is therapeuo, and the uh, the Greek word that, from which we get our English word therapist from. So um, there are certain ingredients, if you will, that describe therapeuo. The, the therapon, which is the person, provides the therapia, which is a healthy, safe process, and the outcome is therapeuo, or healing, or uh, therapeutic. And so we're all encouraged to be therapists, if you will, with one another. And as a person provides care, attention, help, service, they minister to another person, but equally they allow themselves to be ministered to. Those are the ingredients that facilitate therapeutic or, or healing. And healing Thank is you so very much. Necessary. It's time for our break, so I'll apologize for cutting you off there. We'll be right back, and thank you. We'll hear some more about this healing um, as, a, as truly even a scriptural, a spiritual injunction. My guest is Dr. Ken McGill, and we're talking about the crucible of change. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio 
1-800-242-72727. Thank you for your support. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Dr. Ken McGill. And Dr. McGill is a minister, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he has a doctorate in clinical psychology with an emphasis in family psychology. He has served in many capacities over 25 years in the uh, recovery uh, clinical arena. He has been the director of outpatient and inpatient programs and has worked with Dr. Patrick Carnes, um, who is a pioneer in the field of sex addiction work and recovery. Our topic today is the crucible of change, and Dr. McGill is sharing with us about how important it is to integrate spirituality and psychology and to uh, how we can experience that deep transformation when we're willing to face the facts from the vantage point of the truth when that relationship with our loving higher power. 
Before I get back to my conversation with Dr. Ken McGill, I invite you to take a moment with me to relax, to open up to the presence of your loving higher power in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to be aware of your breath, to allow yourself to relax, allow your mind and your heart to open, and share with me this constructive idea. I have the courage to change because I know my higher power's love is with me. I have the courage to do things in a new way because I know that my higher power's love is with me. And let's take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. I trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax and to be in conscious awareness of the presence of your higher power and to experience that love. So now I'm back to my conversation with Dr. Ken McGill, and we're talking about the crucible of change. And so... um, Ken, before the break, you were telling us about that wonderful uh, idea in in Scripture, in the Christian Scripture, that uh, Jesus was talking about going out and, and being a healing presence, and talking about the 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 root of those words uh, where therapy came from. It's it's fascinating, and that we can yeah. all be a healing presence for one another. So um, I know that you talk about that in your book, Cultivating Love Renewal, and that uh, you've got a series of books that will be coming out about about this idea about cultivating love. What can you uh, tell us about the concept that you have in there about the protective garden? That's a beautiful image. What does that mean? Well, um, toward the end of the book, after a person does a lot of work um, identifying what healthy tools are helpful uh, to work in the garden, such as communication tools and um, the Cartman Triangle, um, uh, respectful communication, learning how to listen, learning how to speak are some identified tools. Then uh, we talk a little bit about what it's going to take to repair the garden and then prepare the garden for eventual uh, fruit that is going to come from it. Um, repairing means, you know, what, whatever's been broken, um, use your tools uh, to reasonably address and uh, repair and to engage in processes to heal your relationship. Preparing the garden means taking a real good look at, uh, again, that inventory that we talked about earlier, uh, what are the to answer the question? How do I want to live? Because addiction, in some respect, has derailed a person's um, ability to live according to values and mores and ethic and and so forth. So, uh, in the book, you're kind of given a number of exercises that uh, encourage you to um, repair or prepare, you know, your your heart as well as your relationship, your relationship garden, in order to grow the character that uh, is going to be um, personally edifying as well as uh, uh, relationally edifying. But then you want to protect your garden. And protection means that you create boundaries um, that keep in the good things that you want to grow as well as keep out those unwanted intruders 
such as other addictive behaviors, workaholism, um, uh, so that you protect, uh, and as well as in that protection, once again, you're creating safety for you and your partner or your spouse, your family, so that, uh, again, your good work is not gone for naught. So a couple of things, there's a, a, a couple of excerpts in the book called Protecting the Garden and Recovering Couples Do Heal. And uh, I just, there's probably about a good 40 um, uh, components in that section that just encourage a couple to uh, consider these concepts uh, and to as they consider growing certain characteristics and behaviors. For example, one of them is recovery couples spend time with one another and they engage in opportunities to recreate a life beyond the trauma and the addiction where hope, fun, meaning, purpose, laughter, and love are experienced. Um, when you just found out about infidelity and the shock and you're experiencing the anger and some of that is very, very appropriate. Um, at some point, uh, if you've made a decision that you'd wish to uh, build, rebuild your relationship, then um, at some point you'll probably want to use your energy well. And uh, one of the best ways to use the energy is to recreate life beyond, obviously, the, uh, the obvious. And sometimes this may take... Um, months and years to get to that point, but nevertheless, that's something that you were probably experiencing prior to, and you'd probably see that that could be helpful and fruitful as well. Um, right. When you're talking... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let's see. I think that um, one, one specific one is that recovering couples succinctly share what they are thinking, what they are feeling, what they need and how they will also be responsible for meeting their own personal need. Um, but at the same time, they also share what will be helpful uh, as they move forward. So that you're giving your partner uh, some information, of the very important information about your thinking, your feelings, as well as your needs, and you're taking personal responsibility for it. But at the same time, you're also inviting them to be a collaborator uh, in order to, uh, to meet the need as well. So... There's a lot of uh, a lot of components like that that uh, are just uh, helpful for couples to keep in mind. Right now, when you're uh, talking about this and the care about the skill, the character, the care, the time about rebuilding um, a relationship, what and and you what you were talking about a moment ago about the you know joy and and uh, fun and and so forth yes. that, that needs to be back in the relationship. I mean, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, is that basically we need to really be present and alive to ourselves and in relationship with others. But that doesn't come cheap, does it? It doesn't come cheap and it doesn't come easy. And, uh, and I know that our listeners are well aware of one of the, uh, one of the great uh, 12-step groups and fellowships is Recovering Couples Anonymous. And so... Um, you know, there's a, certainly attraction and not promotion, but yet um, sometimes uh, if you can find a healthy group, if you can find uh, a group where other couples are working their program and they're taking personal responsibility for their individual recoveries, and, and you'll find that the third leg of recovery then tends to, to be um, a, a strong leg as well if both do their work. So it takes a lot of work um, in order to... Uh, protect the garden, to uh, rebuild, to prepare it for growth. Um, 
it doesn't come overnight, but nevertheless, I do know as I've worked with uh, couples, um, I worked with one couple where we were uh, about eight months into our time together, and um, there was uh, mutual infidelity there. Uh, both both parties sort of committed infidelity, and and I remember once laughter broke out, and the wife uh, mentioned, she said, oh, my gosh, Dr. Miguel, uh, it occurs to me that you've never seen us happy, and it's eight months into our the work together. So it, it, you're right. It doesn't come overnight. Um, but, uh, but if couples do roll up their sleeves and work hard and then utilize the fellowships as well as other tools, then, then some good things can happen again. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing this too certainly as related to the larger concept of, of entering the crucible. Tell us some more about your concept of the crucible and how it's related to transformation, how it's related to this, this integration of psychology and spirituality, what this could mean for recovering people? Well, the, the crucible is, uh, is an interesting word. Um, and, and the concept of a crucible is that uh, whatever goes into that container, I kind of almost like to describe it as like a mixing bowl. If you're mixing a cake together, you'll have flour, eggs, milk, and and other ingredients. Well, a crucible is about the same, you know, that uh, whatever goes into the, the mixing bowl will be very different than when it went in originally, and that's the intent of that. So um, when we think about crucible, uh, it actually comes from the Latin word crux, and there's a lot of interesting English words that come from that word also, cross, um, which we understand that, you know, Jesus and the suffering uh, he bore uh, the cross for us, um, so it wasn't a, a fun process, obviously. Um, excruciating, which is also uh, comes from that word, crux of the matter, and uh, crucial are words that kind of come from the crucible. So as you look at those English words and then at the process that they describe, um, therapy and doing therapeutic work is described or paralleled as like a, entering into a crucible. Um, hopefully, as you have a good therapist and the therapist encourages you to identify some good tools and you use those tools and you, um, some of those tools, again, are, are, you know, going to fellowships and things of that nature, too, that will definitely support your recovery, then um, there should be some kind of a change, um, alteration, transforming, and uh, growth may, should occur um, as not necessarily overnight, but nevertheless, again, as a person uses some of the tools, some kind of qualitative change in character and behavior um, most likely will occur as a person uh, enters into that, that healthy therapeutic process that they create for themselves, but at the same time, they invite the Spirit of God um, to uh, meet them and uh, facilitate a transformation process. Right. You know, and to me, I see that definitely the the twelve steps as as being one uh, set of principles, one method for in, entering crucible. So I think that they, in a sense, honor that suffering is a part of it. This, I'll see how how you what you think of this. It seems like, in a way, we we live in a, a suffering averse culture that we think suffering's always a bad thing, and certainly if suffering doesn't get anywhere. Well, that's that's not very productive. But what's what? How would you see this? How how would you frame this? Is there or not a difference between uh, facing suffering and suffering that is part of the crucible or the transformative process, and um, suffering is just suffering, or 
useless, unnecessary suffering that you don't get anywhere. Well, it, it, it's interesting because um, certainly, you know, bad things happen to very, very good people. And, um, and sometimes people don't ask for the experience that introduces them into a suffering experience. Um, infidelity is one of those. Uh, the loss of a parent, the loss of a child is another one of those. Um, so when one is in a suffering experience, um, the interesting thing is that actually um, the Greek word pascho is, uh, it, it is the English word suffering, and, and uh, uh, the, the English word passion comes from that root. So uh, whenever we think about the passion of Christ, we think about the suffering of Christ, and so because passion originates from the suffering. Um, however, um, you, you think about the transformation process. As a seed goes into the ground, it goes into the ground intact. However, there are, uh, and this is a concept brought out in Cultivating Love, uh, as the seed goes into the ground, it interacts with um, things that are not necessarily man-made, such as sunlight as well as minerals in the soil and water. Um, and those interact uh, with the seed in order, and they create a pressure, which is suffering, if you will, um, to break through the seed coat, uh, and the taproot goes down, you know, and it's almost as if nature is trying to tell us, give us the message that your first step towards healing is going to be humility, but then the leaf goes up, and then it's almost as if nature is telling us that in your suffering experience, the next step would be reaching up towards the sun, if you will. So I, I, I'm, I'm always amazed at how God gives us, you know, life lessons through looking at the natural to explain the supernatural, but when you, if, if the seed could talk, it's going through an excruciating um, experience where it had to surrender at the same time, um, allow the, uh, the non-human elements to kind of interact with it. Um, certainly, of course, there are human, human elements that, you know, we need in that process. Um, but nevertheless, that, that tend to kind of uh, serve as a catalyst for its growth. So, um, and there's so much. There's a saying that... Um, Geology has helped us to realize that typically it's the valley areas or the valley experiences, if you will, that produce the, the, the richest and the sweetest fruit uh, because a lot of the minerals have, have swept or rolled down into the valley. So we think about the valley as the suffering experiences, though, um, and, and typically as a person can, in some respect, connect with God in that suffering experience. Sometimes it is really only God who can meet them in their deep suffering where they don't even have words for their experience. Um, that that uh, a relationship with their higher power of their own understanding can help them to make sense of, of why and uh, perhaps maybe what is the next step, you know, uh, and how do I even heal or take a next step beyond the suffering that I'm currently experiencing. So that's, those are some of the things that are brought out in the book. But I will say this, and I'll be quiet too, is that there are concepts such as love is agape, the Greek word agape. And uh, one of the uh, scholars that as I did some research on it helped me to see that uh, there are certain concepts such as cherishing, honoring, favoring, respecting, accepting, relishing, prizing, esteem, and then love and devotion. And those are really, really salient ingredients that if a person uh, meets those qualities and those characteristics in their suffering experience, typically then that tends to help the uh, transformation process. Mm -hmm. 
great information and, and wonderful depth. It's time for our break. Listeners, stay with us. Our topic today is the crucible of change. My guest is Dr. Ken McGill, who's uh, got extensive experience um, as a minister, as a licensed marriage and family therapist, as a psychologist, and um, has uh, worked with lots of populations in different arenas in this recovery process and the healing process and certainly with couples. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on Spirit of Recovery. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you are joining us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is the crucible of change. And my guest is Dr. Ken McGill. And Dr. McGill has a uh, been uh, involved over 25 years in counseling people in the recovery process. He's a minister. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, a clinical psychologist, and um, has uh, done lots of work with different populations in the arena of recovery and spirituality. And you can learn more about him and his work at his website, and that's www.drkenmcgill. So that's drken. M-C-G-I-L-L dot com, all little letters. So drkenmcgill.com, but no period in there. Um, and you can learn a lot more about his work. Also, he has a new book out called Cultivating Love Renewal, and that's the first of five books in the Cultivating Love series. And the theme is to help couples recover and build their relationships after discovering unfaithfulness. And uh, that's available on Amazon in the Kindle edition. So. Ken, we were uh, 
talking a bit there um, before the break about that whole process of the importance of deep love and the power of God in our spiritual growth and in our recovery. And one thing that you write about is the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, certainly as recovering people, we have a variety of understandings, you know, of our higher power and lots of different ways of framing it. Um, and I would love to hear your uh, thoughts about what you mean uh, by the Holy Spirit, by that presence, by that power. And, and I'm a person that believes whatever we call things, we're all ha- they're experiences of the divine and experiences of power. Yeah, I think that the Holy Spirit, um, thank God for the Spirit, um, uh, comes alongside of us as a counselor, as an advocate, as a guide. I think John writes quite a bit about that in John chapter 14 and John 16 and then in 1 John. Um, But at the same time, the Spirit is also the catalyst that helps to grow the character that we need personally as well as what God wants to produce in and through us as well. And, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And uh, I I remember one author um, that I read, I'm sorry I can't remember his name right at hand, but he says that the first three, love, joy, and peace, are the ones that God certainly wants to stir and grow within us, um, which is almost like fertilizing the soil. And then the second three, patience, kindness, and goodness, are the fruit that uh, God would desire for us to give to an abundance in some respect to the people that we live with. They're our neighbors, if you will, and neighbors are always the person who's in closest proximity to us. And then the last three are qualities and characteristics that definitely will help us um, to be uh, safe people. Um, uh, Gentleness, uh, faithfulness, goodness, and uh, excuse me, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I may be messing up a little bit, but, you know, I'm not perfect on that one. But um, again, if I can, self-control is is, uh, really one of the key key, uh, fruit that uh, is definitely necessary just as much as love is on the other hand, um, because self-control means that I will become, you know, I'll work to become a safe person and control my behavior, which is very, very loving, you know, um, as a uh, as it is positioned at the uh, at the other end of the, from love, uh, mm-hmm. as Paul talks about the fruit of the spirit. So, right, thank thank you. That's beautiful, and again, speaks to that spiritual power that's in you know working with us as we're recovering and and continuing as people in recovery to improve the quality of our lives. Um, one of the tools that you talk about, and you mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier in the program today, is the Karpman Triangle, and and its uh, obverse that you talk about as a healing tool. I think uh, probably a lot of people have heard of the Karpman Triangle, but they may not have called it that. They didn't know what, what it was. That, um, but tell us about the Karpman Triangle and what your the obverse or the healing uh, aspect of what you call the Empowerment Triangle. What is that, and how is it part of our spirituality and our relationships? Well, well um God would have us to, to to function as really, really healthy adults. And part of functioning as a healthy adult um, is being aware of what our needs, wants, feelings, and so forth are. And then in some respect, just trying to grow and learn day by day, one day at a time, to communicate that so that 
I'm being clean, I'm being healthy, I'm being safe with my partner as well as with other people that I interact with. Um, the Cartman drama triangle, uh, Dr. Stephen Cartman, um, you know, he talks about uh, uh, the points on the triangle, being a rescuer, persecutor, and a victim. Um, in some respect, in my materials, I find that uh, when a person enters into the Cartman drama triangle, they have needs that they want. And Dr. Cartman said that 10% of what you experience on that triangle is very, very real. It's just that uh, where, where the dysfunction kind of comes in and the drama comes in is uh, taking the victim stance or persecutor or rescuer stance um, in order to try to get that very valid need met. Um, and, and subsequently, a person is not necessarily being forthcoming uh, there's a lot of drama, you know, as one kind of moves around that triangle. And in some respect, it is typically indicative uh, that a person has regressed to a younger ego state. I think um, something about the Cartman is that Dr. Eric Byrne, who wrote Games People Play, was actually a mentor of Dr. Cartman. And um, he uh, talked about the parent, the adult, and the child ego states. And so um, as I look at those ego states as well as the Cartman Triangle and a person's needs, I find that a person, instead of the adult uh, that is well aware of one's needs, a person tends to regress to a younger ego state. And, it, it, um, and it, uh, you, you can probably say almost like functioning like uh, anywhere from a two-year-old to a 14-year-old, and they're seeing their needs and trying to get their needs met you know, uh, from that ego state, that younger ego state. And that almost equates to, or almost, uh, it, it will almost assure that, you know, some form of drama is taken, is going to take place because it's almost as if a two-year-old or a 14-year-old is conceptualizing the problem and then positing solutions, which, again, two-year-olds and 14-year-olds, uh, great kids, you know, but yet they may not necessarily be the type of people running you know, major companies, if you will. The obverse is the equality and the empowerment triangle. And interestingly, um, where the points of responsibility, options, and then negotiation are put before the person. If you were to look at the Cartman triangle um, and turn it upside down to where the point is on the ground, um, the easiest way off of the Cartman triangle uh, to the equality and empowerment triangle is the vertical point uh, above it. What I mean by that is that victims tend to need to take personal responsibility. Responsibility is the point uh, that is closest to the, uh, the victim uh, point. And um, as a person takes personal responsibility to identify what's going on in their life, in their needs, their wants, and then utilizes tools from to help them to communicate as well as to cultivate love, then um, more than likely they're going to um, talk, which is a negotiation, which is another point that's right beneath the persecutor. They will use their power effectively. Negotiation only happens if there's a level playing field. Um, persecutors and rescuers are in a one-up position over the uh, victim, and uh, they're in empowered, uh, also empowered positions over the victim. Whereas if a person uses their responsibility well, then they may brainstorm uh, options. And you certainly want to kind of have people use their creativity. There's more options to kind of consider engaging in other than just rescuing or caretaking or placating um, another person. Um, 
you know, you want them to think outside of the box. And, and as, they, as a person engages in uh, taking personal responsibility for whatever their feelings are and to use processes to communicate their feelings and, their, and to look at a problem differently, uh, typically from an adult ego state where you, a person uses, um, you know, fact-finding questions, ask questions, they analyze the situation, they want to try to solve a problem, then uh, they will uh, tend to kind of brainstorm some healthy options. They will use those, present those with their partner or their spouse and problem uh, identification, and then certainly work with and negotiate out a win-win with their partner. Uh, I'll say this and be quiet. One of the quotes that I like from uh, Einstein was that it's not that I'm smarter than anyone else. It's just that I stay with the problem longer you know, than most. And on the, on the equality empowerment triangle, that's exactly what we want people to do. Stay with the problem a little bit longer. You know, don't, uh, don't abandon it. Don't abandon your tools. Don't break your tools. Um, use tools of being personally responsible, brainstorming options, and then negotiating out win-wins in order to, uh, um, you know, solve your problems. And that's very empowering as well as it provides uh, equality within a relationship. Great. Yeah, wonderful. That's facing that, getting in that crucible again and coming out on the other side, coming out in a, in a new form, it sounds like. Yeah. On your website, you have a page, uh, a link to Marissa's house. Tell us about Marissa's house. Uh, Marissa was um, our 13-year-old daughter who uh, went home to be with the Lord in 2008 as a result of an automobile accident. And, uh, you know, at one point she even wanted to be a psychologist. Uh, you know, she was just born with a helping and a healing heart. And uh, I think that, you know, after a while she thought better than that. But yet she was exposed at a very young age to um, to uh, hurt uh, and hurting children, um, you know, in Africa through uh, and was influenced by the lost children, um, you know, that project. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I remember her... Um, you know, the, the day she told my wife and I about that and that she wanted to do something. Well, um, unfortunately, that, that desire was interrupted with her passing. Um, but yet, as a way of honoring her, my wife and I and son, um, you know, decided to start Marissa's House Projects, which uh, attends to, um, you know, orphans who are in uh, Uganda as well as in um in Ethiopia, and we have uh, we worked with uh, a group, International Cooperating Ministries, to partner with them to provide care, housing, kitchen, uh, food, school, um, uh, educational opportunities for kids in Uganda as well as in um, uh, in Ethiopia. And that pro- that those two uh, places and sites have been uh, working and ministering with kids uh, since to- uh, 2011. Wonderful. And so uh, if the listeners are interested in that, they can access this through your website, Dr. Ken McGill, and that's no periods in there, um, and, or they can go directly to it, and it's www.marissashouse.com, and it's M-A-R-I-S-S-A-S-O-U-S-E.com, marissashouse.com. And uh, so that's wonderful, and what a great way to honor that beautiful soul that she is and to carry on what her heart was about so that's beautiful thanks for sharing that yeah thanks a lot our time is up um and uh 
would you share just a brief word of wisdom with us before we sign off? You know, I just want to encourage the uh, couples to um, uh, connect, put your hand in God, as well as uh, access anything that helps you to become um, spiritually insightful and empowered. And then subsequently, I know that will lead you to do the next right thing. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Ken. My guest is Dr. Ken McGill and his website, drkenmcgill.com. He's been sharing with us about the crucible of change and about how bringing together the facts of our lives with that spiritual power that's with us all the time really makes a powerful difference. So, again, thank you, Ken, for being my guest today. You have blessed us. Thank you, Lena. Glad to come here. And thanks to the listeners. Thanks for listening. Um, And have a wonderful week. And we'll be back next week with the Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Rev. Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the quest for prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course, because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you, right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.